Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're set to go against the spread on this NFL and college football week. Halloween weekend, if you will, coming up here just around the corner in college football. And Victor, after last week in the world of college and pro football, I need a bye week. I don't know about you, but uh, it was a pretty rough week for yours truly last week. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that a little more in detail when we hook up with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas to go over our Vegas segment here. But not only did uh, I have a real rough week in the world of college and pro football, but so too did the people, the contestants in the Westgate Superbook. We'll talk about that slaughter, if you will, what didn't happen in the world of college and pro football last week. And as I talked with you before you went on the show, I understand you did a good thing last week by avoiding a lot of the favorites on the football card last week. Boy, or I'm with underdog, you. I could use underdog, I should say. I'm sorry. Underdog, underdog yes. right. Right. I could use a bye week myself, if only because, boy, oh, boy, we've been, we're in that overlap period right now in sports where we've got NBA basketball in addition to college football and NFL. we got the Major League Baseball World Series. we got NHL hockey that just started. And uh, I could use a little breather myself, Mark, absolutely. You know, in college football – it was a rough Saturday. Now, we were fortunate uh, with our college football plays, but we gave a lot back on Sunday. And in terms of college football, we still have, what, eight unbeaten teams right now, including still three from the state of Florida, the Sunshine State with the uh, University of Miami at number eight, followed by South Florida, number 17, and uh, Central Florida at number 18. And Maybe we'll talk about a couple of first-year coaches who have done very, very well in college football. But, uh, yeah, breather would be nice, but it is what it is. This is our business, and we got a bunch of sports overlapping right now. Yeah, we sure do. It's a great time if you're a sports fan, as you mentioned, with everything going on in October right now at the moment. It does keep us burning the midnight oil, to say the least. And also, to say the least, next week, the big news in college football will be the release of the first college football playoffs poll and included in amongst those are three teams as you mentioned victor undefeated from the state of florida that will be in the mix in the talk we'll see exactly where those three teams shake out in the top 20 rankings of the college football polls which will come out next week and talking about uh college football coaches and who have done a good job this season here right at the top of the list victor as you mentioned here this year South Florida, Charlie Strong's done a great job with this football program. 7-0 and on top of the heap of new coaches in college football this year. And if I threw a couple more out there that way in college football for coaches that are really excelling out of the gate, doing a great job in their first year, I'd have to mention Jeff Tedford from Fresno State, who might just be the college football coach of the year, in my opinion anyway, for that turnaround that he's done on a one-win team last year, five wins this year. And in the running right now for the Mountain West Conference title. And I'd also mention Justin Wilcox from California and even Lane Kiffin down here at Florida Atlantic, as this football program has really been resurrected as well. Your take, Victor, on what you've seen as far as first year coaches in college football have done either good or bad. 
I agree with all four of those. Definitely Tedford, the job he's done at Fresno State, as you mentioned, they're in position to win their division in the Mountain West Conference. Charlie Strong now, he inherited a good team. Let's not forget about that, but he has not missed a beat. He's running his non-Texas winning streak to 13th straight. And on Saturday, the Bulls became the first team in the FBS poll era, and we're going all the way back to 1936 here, to score 30 or more points in 24 consecutive games. You mentioned Justin Wilcox. Definitely, uh, he's a first-year head coach. And what he brought with him from his previous stops as a defensive coordinator is the fact that the turnover margin is key, particularly when you got a little you know, less talented team there. And Cal leads the nation in takeaways with 21. You mentioned Lane Kiffin, and I got the only thing Kiffin loves as much as himself are his flashy offensive <laughs> stats. And he is putting up some big ones up there in Boca at Florida Atlantic. And I would also submit to you a guy from Purdue, Jeff Brome. Yes, I know they lost to Rutgers, and that one did hurt. But he's a guy with a big offensive rep. He's had a hard time scoring points, 24.1 per game. He didn't inherit much on offense, especially at the line. But this was a Purdue team that was blown out of a lot of games the previous two years. These are games that at least this year have been pretty close. They have been close. Three wins by Purdue, just three and four this year. But, uh, hey, that matches their win total of all of last year, and they're still not done. Great job by Jeff Brome at Purdue coming over from Western Kentucky. And uh, I would also maybe submit coaches that have been a little bit disappointing. I don't want to go too deep into this, but uh, uh, at Western Kentucky this football season here, uh, Jeff Brome left some big shoes to fill, no question about it. And Mike Sanford stepped in now. If you take a look at Western Kentucky's record, I'm going to mention this on the top. It looks pretty good. They're sitting there at 5-2 and two in the season. You're saying, wow, they haven't really missed a beat. But my goodness, when you go inside and look at the stats on this football team, we do love doing that in the Midweek Alert newsletter. Uh, you look inside the stats here, they've only outyarded one team this year. They've been outstatted six of their seven football games. So, you know, we're looking for them to be perhaps a phony bowl favorite if they make it there that way this year. Uh, maybe also, Victor, in the theme of college football coaches, or maybe those, we've talked a lot about those that are on the hot seat, those are not. We saw Tyson Summers finally get fired at Georgia Southern. We've been talking a lot about that in the Playbook Weekly Football Newsletter. That was only bound to happen sooner or later, and it did this this past week. Georgia Southern, Tyson Summers out on the job there. I would have to say that maybe a couple of coaches that are off the hot seat, if you will, at least for the moment, because winning could do a lot, might be the likes of Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M and perhaps Ed Ogeron at LSU, both who were mired deeply on the hot seat just a month or so ago, but uh, look to be in pretty good shape. Any other coaching thoughts that you have, Victor, before we shift over to the NFL side of things? Uh, I would also submit a guy, Steve Adazio, out of Boston College. This was a team that had some rough losses in the first month of this season, but they've come on strong with two big road wins in October. Yes, he has. He's done a real nice job. Kind of a, we got to wait and see. This is going to be a big gauge game for them this particular weekend uh, because of the victories that Boston College was able to put up in the past two weeks. A big seven-point straight-up dog win against Virginia and a 20-point straight-up dog win against Louisville. The number comes a tad short in this Florida State game this week. I've probably never seen a number this low, but you contribute uh, a combination of that and what Florida State haven't, hasn't done this year leads to what might be a low line in the football game. But we'll keep an eye on Adazio this year because he's got his football team, it appears, to be headed to a bowl game this season as well. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's shift over to the National Football League side of things where, Victor, we've been talking uh, quite a bit of late the last two or three weeks about how good the underdogs have been in the NFL, which also attributed to a lot of our success of late here. But my goodness, not last week. That certainly wasn't the case. When you take a look at the NFL board last week, of all the games they played, of all the favorites, only four of them failed to get the money last week. It was a pretty good week for the favorites in the National Football League last week. Your take, Victor, on what you've seen in the NFL so far. Well, you've got that right. We've got the dogs in our database going 4-9-2 and two against the spread last week. Still a good year overall for underdogs at 57-46-3. And, and, of course, our best situations when playing on a dog are 30-19 and 19 went off a loss and 16-7 and seven off back-to-back losses. But Sunday was an ugly day overall in the NFL, not just for underdog betters, but for overbetters. Or for anybody, for that matter, that likes seeing exciting play in the NFL, Mark, there were three shutouts last week. Six teams in the NFL scored seven or less points. And that brings us to a point I wanted to talk about is the fact that quarterback play in the NFL right here, right now, it was pretty sad this weekend. And folks, it may even get worse down the road. And that's a combination of poor play, quarterback injuries, and even offensive line injuries. I got a stat that says uh, a half dozen teams last week finished at a 3.3 or less net yards per pass attempt. And that's a calculation that includes sacks as pass plays. It's also an unheard of number, definitely as well. Now, two more quarterbacks went down with injuries. Jay Cutler down here in Miami, Carson Palmer for Arizona. And with that said, Mark, you can make a case legitimately that I think that a third of the league have currently have quarterbacks that are not legit starting NFL pro caliber quarterbacks. Let me run down the list real quick alphabetically. Arizona Cardinals, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns, Denver Broncos, Green Bay Packers, Indianapolis Colts, Miami Dolphins. Minnesota Vikings, New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers. And that's a pretty lengthy list, and it brings some challenges for us handicappers and for betters alike. But the combination of injuries and poor quarterback play, and now you're seeing significant injuries on teams' offensive lines, and that could certainly impact NFL play at least for the next month. And I think it's actually going to be a pretty low-scoring month coming up in the NFL. And speaking of low scoring months, last week was by far the lowest scoring week of the season. The average over under line was 43.8. The average game scored only 39.6 points. It was the first time in over two years in which the average NFL game had less than 40 points scored as an average. Good observation, Victor. The offensive lines being shattered, tattered, if you will. Joe Thomas of the Cleveland Browns at infamous streak that he had of not only not missing a game in his NFL career, but not missing a snap uh, came to an end last week as well when he tore a tricep and he's done for the season, possibly for his career. Uh, But it just kind of epitomizes what's going on with the offensive lines in the National Football League, thus equating to the poor performance by the teams and the quarterbacks in general. And that overview, Victor, that you mentioned about the quarterbacks, as lengthy as the list is, and it is, I've never seen it uh, one so long and two so early in the NFL season here. Mm-hmm. Generally, right. 
generally you'll see the you know these quarterback injuries happening coming around Thanksgiving and all of a sudden we're into the second and the third string quarterbacks and you know seasons are over for a lot of them but uh, so early in the season seeing all these quarterbacks going down here it only leads me to believe that uh, we're going to end up probably seeing sooner than later out of the NFL offices a little bit more protection for the quarterbacks with rules as far as hits uh, goes on quarterbacks of the National Football League, but uh, you know that's a subject matter for another story, another time. But it is what's happening in the National Football League these days, and uh, once again, a great week for the favorites in the NFL last week. Uh, our flag is flying at half half staff because of that that <laughs> that particular situation. And in fact, uh, our good friend Steve Crab, the Texas Tornado, uh, sent me an email here before we went online here this morning about uh, the handle of the National Football League last week and. Uh, that Sunday night football game between New England and Atlanta uh, was so heavily bet that at William Hill, Steve says, that uh, 29% of their handle for the whole total day was on that Falcons-Patriots football game Sunday wow. night. That's how he- heavily bet that football game was. So, And I'm sure it ended up being probably a not-so-good thing for the books, just given the fact that uh, New England was the favorite and they won the football game. But uh uh, interesting sidebar note on what happened last week, and Steve also nominates for his chip of the day, the NFL football team that has the largest chip on their shoulder this week. Uh, by playing on these teams, by the way, guys, uh, if you've been following these plays, they're 13-5 and five the last two years, 4-2 and two this season. And Steve nominates the Denver Broncos for his where's chip play of the week this week. And uh, to say the least, the Denver Broncos uh, have been embarrassed now uh, really on a sad run here of late, uh, the last two weeks in a row, scored only 10 total points, favored in both games, didn't score a point last week. I think they'll have the big chip on their shoulder when they take on Kansas City Sunday night, and I concur. We did that in the Playbook newsletter, as you made Denver a featured best bet in the newsletter as well. So we'll see if Chip can rise to the occasion when they take on the Kansas City Chiefs in that Monday night football game. Don't you go away when we come back. Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We've got that on tap, along with our NFL game of the week and our visit out to Las Vegas to check in with Andy Isco from The Logical Approach. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Hey, sports fans. Football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And it's time for our College Football Game of the Week. A beauty, if you will, inside the Southeast Conference when the Florida Gators take on the Georgia Bulldogs in what used to be titled the world's biggest outdoor cocktail party. Victor, your take on the Bulldogs and the Gators this Saturday. Of course, that's uh, no longer politically correct, as you know. <laughs> but anyway, in regards to the game, Georgia, what, uh, we're laying a couple of touchdowns. It looks like 13, 13 and a half points for the Bulldogs. Over-under line opened at 47 and a half. It's come down about four points, 43 and a half, the last time I looked as we record the podcast on Wednesday mornings. And even at 43 and a half, I do still like to see a good defensive game here. And I did uh, wager a little bit there on the under in this particular game. And why not? Of course, in the last six meetings between these two teams, there's been one over five unders. Average line, 46. Average combined point total when these two teams play each other, only 39.2. So the average game has gone under by almost a full touchdown at minus 6.8 points per game. That includes last year when Florida won 24-10 over Georgia and in 2015, when the Gators won 27 to three and uh, you got to forgive the Georgia fans if they're, you know, a little bit nervous because they've got that team this year. They've got the team that's good enough to get to the sec championship at 12 and 0, a team that's good enough to battle with Alabama and even potentially get to the college football playoff, no matter what happens against the crimson tide, but they've also got to deal with Florida. And I do understand the Gators have a, a slew of problems. They have difficulty scoring. Uh, they just have an 11 game schedule. They're in danger of not going bowling if they don't get really, really hot and really, really fast. And if they lose three of their final five games, and don't forget, they still have to travel to Missouri and to South Carolina and they host Florida state. If they don't do that, they're staying home in the off season. And, uh, all of a sudden Jim McElwain is going to be on the hot seat. In terms of over-under results for the season, we've got Florida clocking in at 3-3 three and three over under. Average line, 45.7. Average score, 47.0. Georgia's been the better under team of the two with five of the seven Bulldog games this season going under the total. They went under in their first five games of the year, the Bulldogs. They have gone over in two in a row. Against two weaker opponents with bad defenses, I might add, against Missouri and Vanderbilt. The Gators, meanwhile, started the season by going over the total in their first four games. But they have come on strong from a defensive standpoint, going under in each of their last two games. I like a fairly low-scoring game here. Based on the point spread and the over-under line, the predicted score, according to the odds makers is Georgia 28.5, Florida 15. I think we'll see something more like a, you know, 20 to 15, 16, 20 to 17, maybe 21 to 17 final score, maybe a little closer than people think. But I do like the value, and I'm going to be joining the others who have bet this game down. Now, once it gets down under 40 points, there's no value. But at 43.5, I still think we got a few points of value, three to four to be exact. And we're looking for another low-scoring game in Jacksonville Saturday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern. Victor looks for a defensive struggle in the Florida-Georgia football game, the world's biggest outdoor cocktail party, if I'm still allowed to say that. 
a big football game on Saturday for the Florida Gators, as Victor mentions here. They come in 3-3 three and three in the season and suddenly in jeopardy, looking down their schedule here behind this. You know, they've still got to finish out the Southeast Conference portion slate of things in Florida State. is always testy for the Gators, so they need to pick up a few wins along the way here. Uh, they're coming to this contest. Or they've dominated Georgia in this series. If you go back and you look, 21-6 and six straight up. 19-7-1 to the spread the series since 1990. In fact, inside those numbers, 5-1-1 to the spread as a dog are the Gators in this matchup against the Georgia Bulldogs. Florida also 6-0-1 to the spread as dogs of seven or more points when they're coming off a straight-up favorite loss. They wire up that straight-up favorite loss when they emptied out against Texas A&M at home two weeks ago, an extra week to prepare, if you will, in this football contest for both teams, actually, but for the Florida Gators. I mention it because Jim McElwain, their head coach, has been excellent in games with extra time to prepare. He's 9-3 and three, straight up and against the spread with rest, Jim McElwain, including 6-1 and one straight up into the spreading conference games. The Georgia Bulldogs come in with triple revenge. They've been taken down three years in a row by Florida in this series here. Inside the database, I queried that Southeast Conference teams playing with triple revenge exact have fared rather quite well. 31-18 and 18 to the spread, 22-12 and 12 went off a win. Nice roll for the Georgia Bulldogs with that triple revenge chip on their shoulder in this game. Coming in on a major winning roll are the Georgia Bulldogs uh, in this contest here. Before, they had struggled a little bit with Missouri in their football game, and they win the game 53-28. to In the three games prior that, they had outscored the previous three opponents 111-17, to so they were on a quite a major winning run until they failed uh, to beat the spread for the first time all year in that Missouri football game two weeks ago. The Georgia Bulldogs themselves with rest are completely the opposite of the Florida Gators, just 1-11 to the spread. Rust seems to turn to rust for the Georgia Bulldogs. Bottom line to me, if you go back and you look at value in football games, this game is just absolutely loaded with value. At the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas before the season began, the Georgia Bulldogs were installed as three-point favorites in the football contest here. Now they're two touchdown favorites in the game. That's the largest line in this series as far back as I can go, and I can go back to 1970 for lines and point spreads. This is the biggest line that the Georgia Bulldogs have been favored by Florida in this series. And in fact, uh, if you take a look at in the series, Georgia taking more than five points. It's only happened four times. They beat the spread three. They went 3-0 on one to the spread, taking more than five points in the series. Grab up the points of the Gators. They'll suck it up and give everything they've got when they take on Georgia in this big Southeast Conference showdown game on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear apart our NFL game of the week. We've got a dandy inside the NFC East Conference, East Division. And we'll hop out to Las Vegas and join in with Andy Isco to find out the vibe and what's going on in Las Vegas after the earthquake that happened in the Westgate Contest. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. 
This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses MyBookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to MyBookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's MyBookie.a as in Apple and G as in Games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at MyBookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru, at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. And speaking about winners, welcome back everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Card. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We've got a beauty on tap in the NFC East Division when the Dallas Cowboys invade Washington to take on the Redskins. Victor, your take on this Matchup of two football teams that do not like one another, Dallas and Washington. You know, this is uh, one of those weekends. In fact, it's the one weekend this season in which there are six NFL teams on by. Now, I mentioned that because this Dallas-Washington game, it's one of only two late afternoon games this Sunday in the NFL. Normally, we get three, maybe even sometimes four, but there's only two late afternoon games. This is one of them. This is definitely the highlight of those games. And a couple of tidbits that I got from the playbook newsletter is it's been pretty much a dog series. The dog has gone what twenty five and nine last thirty four meetings. But more importantly, the road team in the series for some reason has gone six and zero in the last six games. And this is a Dallas Washington series in which each of the last three meetings have gone over the total. That's both of last season's meetings and the second meeting of the two thousand and fifteen season. Average line, 47 in those games. Average score, 54.7. And in fact, Mark, four out of the last five in the series have gone over the total. So for that reason, we're seeing a pretty high over-under line in the game. The last time I looked, it was right around 50 points. And I wrote something a little bit about high over-under lines. In this week's Game 7 action in the NFL, the average over-under line is currently at 44.7 points. Unlike last week in which there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows, most of this week's games are kind of in that middle. Only two games have got high over-under lines of 48 or more points this week as we speak. Those two games being the Chargers, the Patriots, and this one, the Cowboys and the Redskins. On the season, both teams are 4-2 and over-under. Four overs, two unders. On the Dallas side, their average line has been 48 Their average combined points, 51.7. They're scoring, what, 27.5 points per game. They're allowing 23.7 points per game. Washington, meanwhile, as I mentioned, 4-2 over under mark. Average line, 48.7. Average score, 48.0. Both teams have basically had kind of similar paths to get where they're at for this week's games. 
who both started one and two over under in their first three games, and both teams have gone over the total in each of their last three games. That's another reason why the over under line is on the high side here. The lines makers see Dallas three and zero over last three. They see Washington three and over last three. They're going to adjust accordingly, and this line is probably about two, two and a half, three points higher than it legitimately should be. Of course, Dallas comes in, what, number six offense, number 17 defense. Washington, number eight offense, number 12 defense. Of course, Dallas off that big road win last week against San Francisco, 40-10, to 10, a game that went over the total, as I mentioned. Same with Washington. They went over the total in their game against the Eagles. It didn't look like it was going to go over after the first quarter, but it uh, certainly did well enough. I think they combined for, what, 58 points in that game. But I'm about value, Mark. I do like the fact that the one thing that has been kind of predictable this season in the NFL in regards to totals is that division games have gone under at a good clip this season. In fact, in the 35 division games in the NFL that have played and played thus far, there's been 12 overs and 23 unders. So division games, division unders, are hitting at just about 66% on the season. This is one of those games. I do note that NFC East division games in which the road team is favored, like Dallas is, and the over-under line is on the high side, 49 or more points, these games have gone 1, 7, and 1 in the last seven seasons. Again, I think the line's about a field goal too high. I like the value. And if anything, I'm leaning under when the Cowboys take the Redskins on. Victor leans to the under in another division matchup between the Redskins and the Cowboys on Sunday. Big football game for both teams. We're sitting right now currently 3-3 three and three in the NFC East, two games back of division-leading Philadelphia so this is a huge game for both football teams. The loser falls three games back, conceivably. So it ends up being a huge contest. What's benefited Dallas here of late is the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has been allowed to play for the Dallas Cowboys. He's appealing this suspension, and along the way with the appeal is allowing him the opportunity to stay in the lineup for the Dallas Cowboys. And they've benefited from that mightily. You take a look at Ezekiel Elliott's uh, performance on the playing field here since the second game of the season. He's increased his rushing yards every game along the way. So big, big benefit, if you will, the rushing stats for the Dallas Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott in that backfield here. Before they went to the bye week, the Dallas Cowboys, they were in a little bit of disarray, if you will. They had allowed 35 or more points in three of their first five football games. The bye week did them well last week when they went to San Francisco and laid out the 49ers last week. Now they travel to Washington to take on the Redskins in a series in which the Cowboys have struggled of late. They're just 7-17 to the spread, including only 2-11 and when playing off a win. The Washington Redskins themselves have struggled in games playing off a Monday night football game going into division play. They're just 1-10 to the spread. Not a good role for the Redskins this particular week. Take a look at the Redskins in their win-loss record what they've accomplished thus far this football season here. While they're 3-3 three and three in the year, all their losses have come to Philadelphia and Kansas City this football season here. So their losses have come against formidable foes, to say the least. They're currently riding a three-game point-spread losing streak entering the contest. Good news for the Redskins. In the role of a home underdog, 
the last nine times they've been there, they've won seven of those games straight up, seven and two straight up into the spread as home dogs for the Washington Redskins. The bottom line to me is the old Jason Garrett Hang up here. Jason Garrett has struggled in the role of a favorite with the Dallas Cowboys. We document it in the Playbook newsletter almost weekly when he dresses up as a favorite. He's 25-40-1 against the spread as a favorite as a head coach with the Dallas Cowboys, but only 1-11 to the spread in division games against an opponent that has revenge. That's the role he'll be in this week. I'll stay at home with the Redskins and grab the points as you look to improve their home dog log against the uh, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Washington plus the points are my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas and join in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you these hectic days of October in Las Vegas? Well, Mark, it's been a very interesting week, to say the least. A lot going on here in Las Vegas, including uh, the phenomenal play of our brand-new hockey team, the Vegas Golden Knights, who win again the other night against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. And I think that may be one of the most stunning developments in all of sports, but with so much going on, it sort of gets overlooked nationally with events such as the World Series and, of course, the NFL continuing to take center stage. And in a moment, we'll talk about one of the great massacres uh, that we've seen in the Super (laughs) Contest uh, uh, over the years going back uh, probably to the very beginning. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. We'll talk about that shortly. But uh, once again, we've got a new week in front of us, new challenges, and uh, we all start clean. Yeah, tip of the hat to Vegas Knights, Andy. What a job they've done. I mean, nobody saw this coming, uh, beating the Blackhawks, uh, you know, big, big. Uh, I'm sure there were some Blackhawk fans in attendance in that in that game as well, and probably well bet to the Blackhawks as well. I think the Knights started a third-string goalie, if I'm not uh, correct on that, yes. last night. and They did, right? And uh, they were kind of like substan- substantial dogs, I believe, in the game, weren't they? I think they were uh, almost uh, two to one underdogs. I believe the line, which had opened around, I want to say around 170, had gotten bet up to a little bit over 200, and with very good reason. And it's hard to explain uh, what's uh, uh, what's taking place. But uh, it's a long season, and although everybody here is excited right now, uh, the uh, lack of experience as a team, fatigue, injuries, depth may take its toll. But we'll deal with that in February. Right now, we're enjoying uh, we're enjoying ice time. I drink that Kool-Aid right now, Andy, because <laughs> they haven't hit those road trips yet, uh, which you know inevitably uh, derail a lot of hockey teams and being as young as they are. We'll see what happens, but great job. I think they're the story in the NHL this year. And As you mentioned, Andy, last week was the story, maybe perhaps, of the contest. Uh, we call it the Westgate slaughter of what happened last week in the contest here. And, uh, you know, it's all over the news everywhere. I know that... Uh, I was part of that slaughter, if you will. I have two entries in the contest, and I put in a pair of 0-5 uh, entries in the contest last year, so I contributed to that massacre as well. But if you would, let our listeners know exactly what happened in the Westgate contest last week. Well, I, I, I only outdid you by a little bit, Mark. I was 0-4-1. <laughs> I happened to have a push on uh, on one of those uh, games. I think it was the uh, the Dolphins that were uh, – uh, that were minus three in that game. But not only was the consensus 0-5 last week, the top 11 choices by the consensus, which all involved different games, which is somewhat unusual because normally if you take a look at the top 11 choices, you'll find the favorite of one, of one game and the underdog of the other game somewhere amongst the most popular choices. Not the case last week, but the top 11 choices 
all lost to the point spread. Overall on the week, one winner, 13 losses, and one push. And in a moment, I'll detail what that did to the standings uh, because things have tightened up quite a bit. Although in the Super Contest Gold, which I'll also talk about in a moment, uh, we're still seeing a significant gap between the leader and the uh, second-place uh, contestants. As far as the consensus goes overall, they were 12-18 and 18 coming into uh, last weekend. The 0-5 for the top five puts the top five consensus now at 12-23 and 23 for the season. That's barely over 33%. When the most popular selection in a game is on the favored team, that is now 20-36-1, those favorites, 1-4-1 last week. Underdogs, which had been very, very profitable, 22-13-1 when the most popular selection involving a game was on the underdog in that game. Well, it's hard to imagine. They gave it all back last week. 0-9 for the season when the underdog was the more popular play in a game, 22-22-1. Overall, 43-59-3. There were a couple of pick'em games in which the contestants went 1-1. and and so for the season overall, 43-59-3, and three, there was one game that was evenly divided between uh, the, the, uh, the two teams in the game. So as bad as last year was, and it was a very bad year, certainly the first half of the year, this year may end up being even worse. At least we'll see what happens. Now, for means of comparison, uh, let's take a look at the leaders in the contest. Last year, last week, rather, they were 24-6, and six, 80% after, uh, a- after the first six weeks. Well, there are now eight contestants tied at 25 and 10. That's 25 out of a possible 35 points. So that percentage has slipped down to about 72% in one week. The fact that eight are, are tied uh, also shows just what last week did to the field. There are four contestants a half point back at 24 and a half, four more at 24, another half point back. There are eight, 13, a half point behind that, and 20 contestants are tied at 22 and a half points, which puts 57, 50 are gonna, 50, the top 50 in ties will cash. So 57 right now are in the money, which is a significant decline as we've seen over the weeks. Let's compare that to the Super Contest Gold. That's the winner-take-all contest with uh, basically half a million dollars first prize, well, only prize in that contest. The leader, 26 and 9. Did not have a uh, as bad a week as a lot of folks did last week, although last last week, again, 24-6 and six was the lead, so the, even the leader came back a little bit. 26-9, and nine, but that's a four-point lead over the second-place contestants. Four more contestants are at 21-and-a-half, and six are at 21. Right now, a record of 21-and-14, or 60%. 10 of the 94, con- or excuse me, 12 of the 94 contestants are hitting that in the Super Contest Gold, so that has also seen a bit of of a uh, comeback and just going over the top five consensus choices last week, the number one choice, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They lost that game as five and a half point underdogs failing to cover in a double digit loss. The number two selection, another underdog, the Green Bay Packers. They had that game covered much of the way, but New Orleans got a late touchdown to push them to a nine point victory covering their minus five and a half. The third most popular choice was the lone favorite amongst the consensus last week, and that was the Carolina Panthers laying three points at the Chicago Bears, and the Panthers did not give up a touchdown in that game 
at least an offensive touchdown. They gave up two special uh, defensive touchdowns, losing 17-3 to to the Bears. The fourth most popular choice, the Denver Broncos getting one and a half at San Diego, and uh, they did not score in that 21-0 shutout loss to the, uh, not San Diego, the L.A. Chargers. I'll get it by the end of the season, minus uh, (laughs) – one and a half, the Chargers. So the Broncos did not uh, score in that 21 nothing loss to the Chargers. And then the fifth choice, a team that had played five straight games decided uh, by a less than a, by a field goal or less, losing all five. The uh, San Francisco 49ers getting five, excuse me, getting six and a half at home against Dallas. And Dallas returned from its bye with a convincing 30-point victory. So the 49ers also failed to cover. So amongst the consensus last week, four underdogs all lost to the spread. One favored lost outright 0-5, uh, a, a week that is uh, unlikely to re- be repeated, but unlikely to be forgotten anytime soon. What a barrage at the Westgate Superbook Contest last week. And in fact, Andy, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I heard Gil Alexander say on his radio show that uh, of the 5-0 and tickets in the contest last week, there were only 14 5-0 tickets last week. 14 out That's- of over 2,700 entries. Yeah, that sounds about right. I uh, I had heard that also. I did not get a chance to check it because it takes an awful lot of time to go through yeah. 27 entries. Although mm-hmm. when you're looking for zeros in the left-hand column, it goes by a little bit quicker. But yeah, 14, uh, 5 and 0s. Uh, which in some ways is still uh, a pretty large number considering uh, the overall performance of a contestant, but that's what happens with a very large field, and that's why many people opted this year, uh, or a number of people opted, to join the winner-take-all contest where there are less than 100 entrants, figuring that there's less likely to be an outlier that hits an unusual percentage in a contest where only one person is going to collect, as opposed to the chances for outliers to have success in a contest in a contest with over 2,700 entries. For sure, you know the bottom line in that gold contest is you know you only have to beat 92 other entrants as opposed to beating nearly 2,750 other entrants. So, uh, you know, a little bit of thinking, logical thinking there, and uh, maybe the reward isn't quite as much the ROI, but uh, nonetheless, you're in safer waters, if you will, per se, in the gold contest than you are in the overall Westgate Superbook contest. We're visiting with Andy Isco from the Logical Approach. in Las Vegas. And guys, if you haven't read Andy's newsletter, you need to get your hands on a copy. I haven't seen it yet this week, but I know it's a must read Andy Isco's Logical Approach weekly football newsletter. To do so, simply log on at thelogicalapproach.com in Las Vegas, or you can pick up a copy at the playbooksuperstore.com website to get your hands on thelogicalapproach.com weekly football newsletter. Andy, uh, before I hand it off to Victor, I know he's got a question or two he wants to run by you. The adjusted lines at the Superbook this week, and correct me if I'm wrong from the send-out of the lines that uh, Jay had sent out last week, there doesn't appear to be a lot of drastic movement this week, maybe as we've seen so much in the past. And I don't know if that's because the numbers are a little bit more spot on. There's fewer injuries. But if you would, if you can review some of these adjusted lines from last week to this week. Uh, yes, Mark. And one other reason is that uh, there are six buys this week, so only 13 games that could have had significant True. adjustments. Plus, right. you, had two, you had two games last week, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Indianapolis, Cincinnati, that did not have advanced lines because of injury concerns heading into week seven. Uh, With that uh, background, there are six games worth noting. The Minnesota-Cleveland game at London this week. It seems like there's a London game almost every week. The NFL has to 
be seriously considered. I think there's a little bit of overexposure and it's starting to uh, turn into annoyances for a lot of folks here stateside, especially with this one being another one of those 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 a.m. Eastern starts. But nonetheless, Minnesota coming off of their 24-16 win over the Ravens. Cleveland with that overtime loss. Last week, the Minnesota Vikings were a seven and a half point neutral site favorite. After Sunday's results, the Minnesota Vikings opened as eight and a half point favorites, and that's been bet up to nine and a half. So uh, Cleveland's uh, good effort in defeat last week, not uh, uh, influencing betters this week quite yet. But we'll see how the Quants and the underdog players uh, look at this game with Cleveland almost a double digit underdog on a neutral site. Atlanta at the New York Jets, both teams off losses. The Falcons in a Super Bowl rematch, losing their third straight game to an AFC East foe, losing 23-7 to New England. The Jets, that tough loss at home to uh, Miami, 31-28. Atlanta was a seven-point road favorite last week in this contest. When the uh, Lions came out Sunday afternoon, this is before the Atlanta-New England game, the uh, Falcons were six-and-a-half-point road favorites. They lost 23-7. to The game had come off the boards. When it came back on the boards Monday morning, Atlanta was down to a four-point road favorite against the Jets. That was the new opener. It's since been bet up in some places to four-and-a-half or five, but not yet to the six-and-a-half that they were just prior to kickoff against the uh, Falcons. San Francisco at Philadelphia, the 49ers, that 30-point, 40-10 home loss to Dallas. And, of course, Philadelphia, they're a very nice win on Monday. Night. The line last week was 10.5. After San Francisco had lost and before Philadelphia played the following night, Philadelphia was again a 10.5 point favorite. The game came off the boards for Monday night when they uh, then had that uh, nice second half to defeat Washington by 10 points. The revised opener on Tuesday morning had the Philadelphia Eagles up to 12.5 point home favorites over the 49ers. Chargers and the Patriots. Chargers 21-0, a third straight win. They beat the uh, Denver Broncos at home last week. And, of course, the Patriots Sunday night with that aforementioned win over the Atlanta Falcons 23-7. Last week, the Patriots were seven-point home favorites. When the Lions came out Sunday afternoon following the Chargers' victory, the Patriots were down to just a five-point home favorite. But they did get bid up to five-and-a-half before the game was taken off the board prior to the kickoff against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. When the game came back up Monday morning, the Patriots were back where they were last week, a seven-point favorite following that win over Atlanta. They've since been bid up to a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over the Chargers for this week. Dallas at Washington. Washington last week was a one-point home favorite against the Dallas Cowboys before this week's actions. After Dallas routed San Francisco, the game Sunday evening opened with this game as a pick'em came off prior to Monday night's game between Washington and Philadelphia following Philadelphia's 10-point win. When the game came back on the board Tuesday morning, it had switched around, and Dallas now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So they made a one-point adjustment following Dallas's 30-point win at San Francisco, a two-and-a-half-point adjustment after the Washington Redskins lost to the at least record-wise, and maybe argue artistically as well, the best team in the NFL, Philadelphia. That game has, however, since been bet down from two and a half to Dallas, a two-point road favorite. And finally, the Monday night game, Denver at Kansas City. Denver off that 21 nothing loss to the uh, Chargers on Sunday. Kansas City off that wild 31-30 loss at Oakland last Thursday night. 
Last week, this game was uh, six and a half, favoring the home team, Kansas City. Following uh, the uh, action on Sunday, in which Denver lost, the game was put up with Kansas City, a seven-point home favorite. A very key number, yet it has not stopped the early bettors from betting the Chiefs up to seven and a half-point home favorites against their division rival, Denver. That's an overview of the adjusted lines at the Superbook in Las Vegas from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, Victor, I know you've got a question on the show you'd like to ask Andy as well. Yes, and I'm glad Andy touched on this team that's got me scratching my head in the NFL, not just from a win-loss perspective, but from over-under as well. And, Andy, that would be the Atlanta Falcons uh, they were a sharp play against the Patriots on Sunday night. I think the line went all the way down to, what, two and a half points. They averaged 6.1 yards per play against the Patriots. They had no turnovers. They only were sacked one time. They played the worst defense in the NFL. They took four trips into the Patriots' red zone and scored zero points. Somehow, with all that, Andy, they scored only seven points against the Patriots, they should be thankful that they're 3-3 three and three right now because they're a couple of late-game plays from being 1-5. and five. Andy, is there a true Super Bowl jinx loser here, or is it just uh, I'm panicking too much here in regards to Atlanta? Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, I'd be maybe a little bit more concerned about the losses, the uh, loss the previous week to Miami when they had that 17-0 lead. And even the week before that, uh, another game at home when they lost to Buffalo, Buffalo yeah. in what was a uh, a very competitively played game. Going into New England, a team that had a little bit of motivation on, on several levels. They had lost a couple of home games this year the Patriots had. Their only other home game was that three-point come-from-behind win against the Houston Texans. Uh, they were familiar with the Atlanta Falcons, having seen them in the Super Bowl, being able to shut them down. Well, actually, Atlanta shut themselves down in the second half after that 28-3 lead. But the Patriots did defense had been playing well over the previous two to three weeks, uh, the game against Tampa Bay, the game against the Jets, etc. So they were showing signs of improvement, which is not really a surprise for Bill Belichick. There's been a lot of speculation that the departure of Kyle Shanahan, despite the criticism he, criticism he received for that fourth quarter play calling in the Super Bowl, uh, his, uh, his absence is clearly being felt now that he's over at head coach at the San Francisco and the 49ers, showing steady signs of improvement. Not last week's game against Dallas notwithstanding, and Steve Sarkeesian doesn't seem to be able to get to getting into the same kind of aggressive play-calling mode, doesn't seem to be on the same page with the quarterback, Matty Ryan, and there seem to be some issues there. At the same time, Atlanta, which did start 3-0, and their last three losses, all to AFC East teams, and I'll mention that in a moment because they play another team this week, they were all against teams that had lost only two games, so all three teams that they've lost to had winning records. This week, they go to the Jets on the road. We mentioned their short favorites after opening up as larger favorites last week. They are playing the weakest of the four AFC East teams. So this may be the game that will signal if indeed that Super Bowl hangover is indeed a fact for this team or if it's a matter of just playing some decent competition the last three weeks, there's a fine line between winning and losing for the majority of teams in the NFL. Atlanta was on the right side of that fine line the first three weeks. They've been on the wrong side of that fine line the last three weeks. Let's see what happens this week when they are in what appears to be a very favorable matchup for the Falcons. We'll see if they can regroup or if the problems are indeed a lot deeper than, than I've just outlined. Andy Isco observing what's going on with the Atlanta Falcons or what's not going on of late with the Atlanta Falcons here, whether or not they're suffering from that dreaded Super Bowl loser jinx 
or there are problems within the football team. Great observations from Andy from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before I ask you for your complimentary play on the show this week, one other quick note here. I loved your phrase, your key word, when you were talking about the London games and how they become annoyances. And I think that's a <laughs> that's a great word for what we're seeing for the National Football League games in London, especially sending these bad teams over there, not scoring any points. I'm just wondering how long the fans over there are going to keep supporting these efforts unless they put a better product over there. And also on the flip side, as you mentioned, back here stateside, people are getting tired of having to tune in at 9 a.m. Eastern time in the morning to catch these football games. They're almost, for all intents and purposes, over before they realize that the games are played early. So I think the NFL has some work to do as far as these international games in London are concerned. But just my little editorial on that comment, and I love that phrase, annoyances, because it's exactly what they appear to be coming off as. Now, with that, Andy, I've got you. I gave you a win last week, by the way, on your complimentary play on the show because we filmed the, or we do the show on Wednesdays when there was a half point out there on your selected uh, your play in the football contest last week. What's it on the Miami Dolphins? Or Miami Dolphins. I should say maybe not a half point. I should make that a push because it'll be a half point to the Jets. It would have been so four two and one overall for the season here. I've got you four zero oh, and one the last five plays. Congratulations on a great job on the show here, Andy. Now, with that being said. What are you looking at on the NFL card this week? Okay, just a couple of comments before that. And yes, it was Miami. That was a pretty solid three, and I guess they were somewhat yes. fortunate. But just getting back to the London games, part of the reason why it's annoyance is, is that here we are, eight weeks into the season, four games have already been played. If they could spread it out a little bit more, maybe it wouldn't be quite as much of an annoyance. And the other thing is, and maybe it partially explains why there's been early sentiment on Minnesota against Cleveland this week. I mentioned how that game has moved from Minnesota uh, being a seven and a half point favorite up to nine and a half. Those London games, 44 to 7, 20 to nothing, 33 to nothing. They've all been blowouts this year, unlike years past. By the way, one other thing you mentioned about the newsletter this week, you may find it interesting. I go back and do a study for more than 30 years. NFL home dogs. I think many people will find it surprising. Some may even find shocking the results of NFL home dogs compared to uh, what we've been told over the years. So uh, that may be one thing, Mark, that you will take a look at and uh, put it to the test in your database. And you might also be scratching your head over that one in addition to the uh, the London games. Now, as far as the uh, play I'm going to use this week, I'm going to go to the uh, Great Northwest, the game between the Houston Texans and the Seattle Seahawks, Houston, 3-3 three and three off its bye week. And that allowed the Texans to work on retooling their defense uh, that uh, will be uh, without a couple of uh, key defenders, Merle, Merciless and J.J. Uh, Watt for the balance of the season. Seattle has started 4-2. and two. It's been pretty much an unimpressive 4-2, and two, but they have won three straight, the, three, three straight, excuse me, the last two on the road. They've played just two home games thus far, uh, defeating a pair of very weak teams, San Francisco in a struggle and Indianapolis in what turned out to be a, a second-half route. Uh, we've got two of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL, Seattle's Russell Wilson, uh, Houston rookie Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Seattle Seahawks in this game, laying what is currently that, uh, that neutral zone number of 5.5. Will it go down towards 4? Will it go up towards 7? We don't know yet. Uh, considering how underdogs have done the last few weeks, anything could happen because there's been no rhyme or reason to the performance of favorites and underdogs over the past few weeks. One thing that I like about Seattle is their overall defensive edge. They are the healthier team right now. They've held five of six opponents to 18 points or less this year. They're allowing nearly nine points per game 
less than the Houston Texans are. But it's also a very poor scheduling spot for the Texans, who even though they are off their bye week, they're playing their first road game since September 24th, following their last road game. Uh, they uh, played three straight games at home and then had the bye last week. So they may take a little bit of time to get adjusted to what's a very difficult home venue for the Seattle Seahawks, the crowd noise, which could affect play calling, especially when you've got the kind of quarterback that Deshaun Watson is. I think Seattle could get out to a nice start in this game and hold off a Texas comeback or Texans comeback in the second half. And I've got Seattle winning this game somewhere around uh, 11 to 13 points. So I've laid the five and a half with Seattle, and that's the play I'm going to use this week. Andy Isco on the Seattle Seahawks against Houston Texans this week for his complimentary play on the football show this week. And once again, a reminder to our listeners, get your hands on a copy of Andy's Logical Approach newsletter this week to find out all about his breakdown of National Football League home dogs, whether they're good or bad, you'll find out inside the Logical Approach football newsletter this week. Once again, Andy, a great job on the show. As always, we look forward to your visit each and every week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and may the ball bounce our way a little bit better this week in the Super Contest than it did last. Yes, Mark, Victor, have a great week. Let's all do well in the contest and uh, in our own uh, investments this week. Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to put the final wraps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week, along with Victor and my complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week. It's an oldie but goodie here. We call it Lean on Me. And this comes from our playbook, Black Books. Featured our Black Book Bet You Didn't Know articles, one we titled Lean on Me, an old Bill Withers hit tune song. What we look to do in college football is to play on any 17 returning starter college football double-digit underdogs that are out back-to-back spread losses if they allow less than 33 points a game on the season and they're facing an 888 or greater opponent. These experienced 17 returning starter dogs off back-to-back spread losses taking double digits against these high-quality teams are 24-10 and 10 against the spread. 
dating back to 1990. We'll find the Houston Cougars in this role when they take on undefeated South Florida on Saturday's college football card. We'll play the Houston Cougars as our lean on me. Awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what's going on at King Creole Sports this weekend, along with your complimentary play on the show, Victor, if you will. Sure thing, Mark. We can definitely fix you up there. You know, back in September, our uh, King Creole five-star NFL game of the month was on over the total in the Rams-Cowboys game. The line was, what, 48 and a half. They had 40 points by the half. It went over easily. The Rams, of course, pulled off that outright underdog win, 35 to 30. So we did hit that one. Now we're gone. We're on a nine and one run now, dating back to the beginning of last season in our college and NFL five or 10 star plays. And yeah, we got one going this weekend, five star NFL game of the month for October. Yes, it's a totals play. And once again, yes, it is an over. And that play is already up at the playbook.com website. We put it up nice and early, as early as Tuesday night, so you could get in and take advantage of the line value and, of course, shop for the best lines. So that game already up at the playbook.com website, our five-star NFL game in the month for October, a game going over the total. As far as our free play goes, give me 30 seconds here. You know, we were just talking with Andy, and during the commercial break, I started, I whipped out the database and started looking at Andy's home underdog numbers that he was talking about, Mark. And without diving into it too much, the one thing I got out of it, being a totals guy, is that so far this season, NFL games in which the road team is favored by more than a field goal, like this team we just talked about, the Atlanta Falcons, favored by more than a field goal over the New York Jets, from a totals perspective, these games have gone three overs, 14 unders, and that's this season only. So if you're looking for a decent Sunday game under the total, that's one I would consider or at least perhaps put at the top of my list, the Jets and Falcons under the total of 46 points. But with that said, our true free play of the week, hey, we did it last week, and we're going to do it again. We're going to give man's best friend the ball. We're going to let Speedy run with it. He went under the total last week in the Broncos-Chargers game. 21-0 was the final score. An easy winner for Speedy. And guess what? For the second week in a row, he's going under in a Broncos game. This week, it's the Monday night game as they are taken to the road and playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The over-under line in that game currently at 43 points. So, yeah, two Denver unders in a row for Speedy. And why not, of course? Last game, uh, cashed by an easy 20 points. And Denver's got this offense that is just not clicking at all. They haven't cracked the 17-point mark since week one. They do, oh. however, have an outstanding defense. Number two in the NFL, a defense that figures to hold the Chiefs offense in check. I ran a query for teams off a shutout loss like Denver the database comes up with numbers of 211 and 2 over under since 1980 for all road teams off a division road shutout loss when the over under line is greater than 38 points. This is also one of those three road games in a row stretches for the Denver Broncos. This has gone 1 and 8 over under since 1998. All teams playing in the seconds of three straight road games off a straight up and ATS loss that went under the total. 
One of the interesting aspects about this Monday night game between Denver and Kansas City is that both teams were division road favorites last week, and both teams lost outright. So in the database, we've got an 0-7 over-under number since 2006. Any NFL game in which both teams are off a straight-up road favorite loss the previous week, that applies to this particular game. And I do know the Chiefs got a couple of extra days of rest since their last game was on a Thursday against the Oakland Raiders. But from an over-under perspective, our database tells us that Monday night home teams off a Thursday game have gone one and nine over under in the last six years. Broncos Chiefs under. Speedy's on a Denver under for the second week in a row. We'll see if he can bring home the bacon. Don't forget all of our newsletters this week. We got the playbook. We got the midweek. We got the midweek mini. We've got the totals tip sheet. Everything available at the website. And of course, Mark, we've already got our five-star NFL game of the month. It's up on the playbook.com website, and you can check that out. And hopefully we'll improve that record at 10-1 and since the beginning of last season. Check it out. The totals tip sheet, over 62% winners on the season this year. Victor's talks about the totals tip sheet this week, about west to east over totals. Find out what that's all about when you download your copy of the totals tip sheet. And be sure to get on board for his five-star totals game of the month this Sunday all available online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, once again, I want to remind our listeners that our friends at mybookie.ag are offering a 100% sign-up bonus to all listeners of the show. To take advantage, simply call toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your 100% sign-up bonus at our friends at mybookie. The big news for me is my five-star college football game of the month will kick off this Saturday. This is our top-rated college football play of the month. We've gone 68, 31, and 2 documented on this play going back to 1990. It's part of another $99 football weekend of winners where you can pick it up this weekend. That and all my college and NFL plays for just $99 complete or better yet, Join me for 10-star November to remember, and I'll throw this weekend as a free no-charge bonus. To take advantage of this five-star college football game of the month weekend, log on now at playbook.com or call me toll-free next to get on board at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this weekend on this show is on the Virginia Cavaliers when they take on the Pitt Panthers this weekend. This is a play we featured in our midweek alert football newsletter this week. And that newsletter is all about statistics, if you will, fundamental situational statistic handicapping. And if you take a look at this matchup here, you have a three and five football team that's laying points to a five and two football team. And the five and two team owns the better offense and the better defense in the contest. I scratch my head and wonder what the odds makers thinking about the line in this football game, especially with Virginia coming off an embarrassing mm-hmm. upset loss. Uh, they were in that contest last week. Uh, a 16 point straight up ATS net win for Pittsburgh as an underdog last week. Virginia blows and loses the spread by 38 points last week as a favorite. That's called a double blowout, guys. And you got a double blowout with the winning team that's a dog, better offense, better defense. That tells me all I need to know about what side of the football game that I need to be on. Then you take a look at Bronco Mendenhall, the head coach from Virginia. Uh, what a great job that he's done in games after losing straight up as a favorite in his career. 
seven and zero straight up and six and one to the spread if they lost in that football game and failed to score twenty points. You put this all together to me, it looks like the wrong team is favored. I'll play Virginia plus the points against Pittsburgh for my complimentary call on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host, Victor King, from King Creole Sports for another great job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for our Vegas Vibe update. The great job that he does. And always our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.